What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 129 of the Lukewarm Games Podcast, your source for unique perspectives on all things video games and pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, the planet puzzler, Claire Hamburger. Hey, Luke, how's it doing? How's it do- It's doing good. It is doing good. How are you? I didn't you? mean to say that. I'm sorry. No, it's that's... I was meant to say, how's it going? And I like then it. I changed how's to, how are doing? you How are you doing halfway through? And that's what came out. And that's like the third time that's happened. Honestly, the I think it's great. We're owning it. How's it doing, listeners? How's it doing oh with you? Oh, my goodness. Um, anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm doing good, aside from the verbal flub here, here and there. I think it's great. I think it's good vibes. I think it's good energy for this new episode of the podcast. Um, some quick housekeeping that I wanted to discuss real quick at the top of the yeah. show. You might notice in your feeds um, that we didn't release an episode last week. Um, if you weren't aware, we announced last week that we are moving the show to a bi-weekly release schedule, so new episodes will publish every other Monday mm-hmm. going forward. So as of this recording, you won't see an episode next week from us, but you'll see an episode the following week. Um, And the reason for this change is to allow us a little extra time to complete games for reviews between episodes. Um, And just, I think it's going to help us have even better content in the off weeks because we're going to have really stacked, we've got the news segments, we'll have really stacked reviews, we'll just have a lot to discuss every week and it won't be... Um, we won't be so pressed for time to put together the weekly show on It'll be end. a little so bit think, more depth instead of... Breath. Yeah, I, I foresee episodes might be a tad bit longer, so I think you're not really losing content, you're ga- gaining content, if anything. And with in addition to that note, um, I have a special announcement, so please stay tuned to the end of the episode for an exciting announcement about an upcoming project that has been a long time in the making. Woo! Yes. So once again, not losing content, only gaining content, yeah. gaining quality, fun, good vibes, reviews, roundtable discussions, all that good stuff. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I'll have to stick around till the end to find out what that is. Oh. Intrigue. <laughs> Love some good intrigue. Shall we jump into We've Got the News? Let's do it. All right. We've Got the News, our weekly news segment where we break down what's happening in the video games industry. This week, I have three stories for us. Oh, okay. Because um, we have not discussed some of these in recent weeks. Some of them have happened very recently, and some of them are a little older, but still relevant to discuss right now. Um, kicking things off, this story comes to us from Cat Bailey and Taylor Lyles over at IGN. Mortal Kombat has announced some new characters. Oh, so I okay. wanted to read read this quick story for us so we can discuss because i'm very excited for this game and these characters got me even more hyped so after numerous leaks and rumors netherrealm studios has finally confirmed that homelander and peacemaker will be coming to mortal kombat one as special guests they're joined by omni man the image comics hero created by robert kirkman who also stars in invincible and returning mortal kombat characters um kwan chi ermac takeda Lee May, Tanya, and Baraka. So a a good mix of classic characters there and then some Some new new additional ones. Um, I'm super hyped about this. I think I've always loved in the past when Mortal Kombat has done cool tie-ins with licensed characters that fit the universe. Obviously, it led to things like um, Injustice with the DC superheroes Mm -hmm. and whatnot being involved in the world. But I think Homelander, Peacemaker, and Omni-Man are so, like iconic characters right now in pop culture and they both they all lend themselves well to this universe like over the top violence 
ridiculous kind of raunchy comedy chops in a lot of ways omni man a little less so in that department but def definitely omni man in terms of like sheer brutality yeah um these characters I, definitely fit yeah in with the other i know <laughs> i know you're not a mortal Kombat person but what do these announcements do for you as far as like pop culture zeitgeist i think it's goes. i think it's cool for the people who are interested in mortal Kombat. for me i'm just like okay more hyperviolence that tracks cool still fair. super not interested fair personally. totally fair yeah for me it's just like are. another reason to check out the game i yeah. was already excited i think graphically it looks amazing i like the new systems they've been introducing in, in the different um, preview impressions yeah. i heard from summer games fest so I'm very excited for this one in September. I haven't gotten a chance to play Street Fighter VI at all, but I've always been more of a Mortal Kombat fan just yeah. for the, like, absurdity of it all. So I think these characters just, like, cement that more as, like, a it's a day one purchase for me. Mm -hmm. Excited to check awesome. it out. Yeah. All right, moving right along. I got two superhero-related stories okay. for us. Okay, well, that was superhero-related, too. Adjacent. These are, like... Yeah specific i hear you though we're, we're, we're <laughs> this is a super we've got the news segment okay, um let's do it. next up we had a new trailer from marvel spider-man 2 mm. um that gave us some story impressions that was just released um several days ago earlier this week so i wanted to talk about this we just watched the trailer together yes. um what were your top level impressions of this one I mean, every trailer just gives me more hype for the game it reminds me that i i, I do want to go back and play at least some more of Spider-Man and Miles Morales beforehand. Um, and, like, it'll probably end up happening that, like, I don't play it right away because I want sure. to experience the, the story. But I, I, I get more and more intrigued every time I see another trailer, and I think it looks dope. What do you think? Yeah, I think it looks stunning, to be honest. This was revealed during um, the Spider-Man 2 Comic-Con panel. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, everything they showed looks really interesting. I love that we're getting some new villain action with Craven the Hunter. Yeah. Obviously Venom is involved. Who is the symbiote? Is it Harry Osborn? We don't know for sure. But is that a red sure herring? It seems like that's what they're hinting at. Um but yeah, I'm just excited to see kind of how the story unfolds. I think I've always really enjoyed the story of the Spider-Man games because it just makes me feel like I'm living a awesome comic book as I'm playing through. Sometimes it can be predictable, but I think the writing is always really high quality. Mm-hmm. But I think they're setting up expectations in an interesting way. And I think anytime you involve the symbiote and Peter getting taken by the symbiote, I think that always like adds some intrigue into the story that can go in some wild places. Right. Um, and from a gameplay perspective, <laughs> everything with the symbiote just looks so cool. Yeah. The new powers they're introducing, the, the expansion of New York City. Like, I cannot wait to play this game. Um, and it's also worth talking about that amidst the the panel they also unveiled a special edition console and controller mm, and oh my god cool. does it look awesome it's like for those that haven't seen it they're also selling ps5 face plates separately so if you have an oh, existing nice. console and you just want to buy the face plates so you can have it look like spider-man but it's um on one side it's red with the spider-man logo and then it has the black tendrils of venom like slithering on so it has like a really Ooh. cool like textured look to it Very and cool. then on the other side it's all black with the logo so it's like red black juxtaposed and then the controller is like that too where half the controller is black tendrils like overtaking the other half of the red controller and aesthetically it's like really clean looking yeah. it's very fun um it it harkens back to that ps4 pro that we got at the launch of 
Spider-Man 2018. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fun to see how they've kind of adapted the Venom theme of this one into it visually. So yeah. super, super excited for that one. Yeah, it's also um, awesome that you can have it without buying a whole yeah, I thought Yeah, I thought that was nice, because... At this point, to be honest, if they had been like, you gotta buy a new console, I probably would have been like, no. Mm. I have to draw the line somewhere, even yeah. though I want it real bad. But the fact that you can buy the controller separately, you can buy the faceplates separately. I'm not sure how much the faceplates are, but I want to say they were less than 100 bucks if you wanted to buy, like, the red, or it, what, yeah, it was red, black, purple, purple, blue, pink, I believe is yeah. what they have released I thus far. I yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, so that, that's really hype. Super excited for the game. October 20th can't come soon enough. That's going to be the most like jam-packed review schedule time during that period yeah. between that, Alan Wake 2, I want to play Forza. It's going to be nuts. Oh, it's going to be crazy, but I'm, I'm very excited. Starfield? Well, Starfield's in September, but so Starfield has some distance, it's gonna thankfully. It's going to be long. It's going to be long, sure, but I've in my mind... Whether I finish it or not, I can get a good chunk of time in September because September's a little more chill. There's That's a lot fair. of stuff, but there's not October's like insane. Right. Where it's like I'm not gonna be able to play everything and I gotta prioritize what I want. But for me it's Spider Man and it's Alan Wake. Those are like the two Definitely that I can't wait for. Alright. Closing out our we've got the news segment with a little older news story, but I still really want to talk about this one because yeah. I think it's super exciting. Um, this comes to us from Marcus Stewart over at Game Informer. Black Panther game announced by EA. EA has announced that a Black Panther game is in the works. The title is being made by Cliffhanger Games, a new AAA studio based in Seattle in collaboration with Marvel Games. The upcoming title is billed as a single-player, story-driven, third-person action-adventure game. In a press release, Cliffhanger states, Our mission is to build an expansive and reactive world that empowers players to experience what it is like to take on the mantle of Wakanda's protector, the Black Panther. Cliffhanger is led by Kevin Stevens, formerly of Monolith Productions, a studio currently working on a Wonder Woman game and consists of veteran talent who have worked on titles such as Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, God of War, Halo Infinite, and Call of Duty, among others. The team is still being assembled and is actively hiring. As such, this untitled Black Panther project is very early in development, so it will be a few years before it's in our hands. We've dedicated, we're dedicated to delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven game. Wakanda is a rich superhero sandbox, and our mission is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do, said Kevin. Black Panther made his comic debut in July 1966, and today's news coincides with the character's 57th anniversary. Although he's been a playable character in numerous Marvel titles, he's never starred in his own solo game until now. However, it's not the only game to let players assume the Black Panther mantle. Last year, Amy Hennig's Skydance New Media announced it's making a Marvel game set during World War II starring Captain America and Black, Pan Black Panther Azar Azari? Azuri, Azuri, the grandfather of T'Challa alongside another Wakandan spy and Howling Commando Mender, Gabriel Jones. So, lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, what are your initial impressions of this announcement? Where are you at, hype level-wise? Um, I think it's awesome, hype level-wise. Um, my initial thought is that it's really interesting how it sounds... It sounds like it's going to be a pretty ambitious project to try to make yeah. it like a sandbox with 
with a lot of like control over the narrative and it sounds like maybe even some branching paths like that could be um really interesting to see how they execute that sure um and then my other thought is that i just i really hope that they get some people on this team who can who, who are who are not white people yeah and who can they and especially agreed, like in the, the black panther movies they had like people who were doing set and costume design who are actually from various cultures within the large ass continent of Africa. Um, so they could bring like actual inspiration and not just like cheeky yeah. rip stuff off. So I hope that they do that too. And I hope that's what they're getting at when they say authenticity, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're going for this authentic experience. I, you know, I think ideally all of the leads on this game are people of color like they yeah. should be and i think the team should be predominantly people of color because i think that will be incredibly meaningful for this experience and i think that'll allow that authenticity that they're going for but it's also like people should have jobs you know what i mean oh 100 like, give people jobs that they, that they are qualified for yeah absolutely um and like yeah i don't know i just yeah, yeah. um don't don't make it another uh Avatar, Way of the Water thing, sure. where it's, like, all white sure. people. And they're like, we just did a lot of research. That's authentic, right? And it's like, you need people on the project who are actually experienced with yeah. a variety of cultures, I, not just white Americans. Yeah, I like to hope that with this announcement, they're announcing it so early while they're actively hiring that they can, you know, get the word out that this is happening. It can be shared Attract with the right people. folks yeah. and, you know, build up a really awesome team of diverse voices. Well, if they're not trying to keep it under wraps, they might be able to attract more people from further away. Sure. With the actual, like, specificity of this is what we're working on instead of just, like, being really vague about it. So hopefully that's sure. how it goes down. Um, yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Getting into the, the game itself and kind of the nitty-gritty of some of the things they announced, I'm super excited as well. I like to hear the focus on single-player, story-driven. Mm, um, right. And I think third-person is the right move for a Black Panther game, although I could see this game as a first-person game in terms of, like, the parkour elements. I was thinking about yeah. games like Mirror's Edge where you're, like, free-running and whatnot. But I think, like, games like Assassin's Creed and Uncharted have also proven that you can do cool platforming and yeah, action yeah. sequences in the third-person space. So, super excited. I think the games that they call out as ones that they're actively hiring team members from shadow of mordor god of war halo infinite call of duty like i think those are all really high profile polished yeah. games so that's a cool sign i also think the fact that uh, presumably a lot of the team is from monolith i think um the shadow of mordor games in terms of gameplay and systems are so fun so i think that's a cool sign for this too in terms yeah. of just creating like compelling systems and gameplay um I'm excited to see what the story is. To be honest, I had no yeah. idea that Black Panther was as old of a character as it is. I didn't know it was but it makes established sense. in the 60s, but that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see kind of what the story setup is, how it evolves over time, what types of missions are we going on. But yeah. I, imagine how cool it would be to have like a cool like stealth mission as black panther where it's kind of like arkham asylum-esque and you're like sneaking through and taking dudes out and being stealthy yeah. or like cool combo based action and you're getting skills and power-ups to level up your skill like that all sounds dope to I me think so that, i'm super excited for that i think that they have a lot of options for making the combat really really cool with all the like wakandan technology and the, yeah like, stuff that they could have there's just so much like style and aesthetic that they yeah. can do with the game too like the music the, there can be just like the such overall a variety. vibe yeah like um and yeah but i 
it'll be interesting. It sounds like that they're focusing a lot on the story, which will be interesting to see, yeah. too. Like, I wonder if maybe it'll lean more towards being a story-driven game and less towards, you know, being combat heavy but like then you have you they've got a war and they've got call of duty and they've got halo so yeah for for sure it was also announced um alexa ray korea who previously was a founding member of what's good games and then she's recently in the last several years broken into the video game narrative scene in a big way will be one of the writers on this project and Very cool. she's super talented so excited to see what she and the rest of her team put together because awesome. this is re- it's a really interesting project so i want to keep my eye on that one i'm also really excited for the amy hennig game set in world war ii just because i think a superhero game set in world war ii written by amy hennig like that's just a lot of intriguing things yeah. happening as well and i want to see how these games differ because it feels like now we have a lot of black panther projects happening but i think that's cool absolutely heck yeah all right shall we jump into our title track main topic let's do it All right, for this week's title track main topic, we are unpacking your Planet of Lana review. So you've played this entire game. Um, This is a um, platform puzzle game from... Wishfully. Wishfully. I always want to say Um, Wistfully. Wishfully and published by Thunderful. Yep, published by Thunderful. It's on Xbox um, and PC. Yeah, I played it on Xbox. It was on Game Pass, which is awesome. Love that. Um, so tell us a little bit about the game for folks that yeah. maybe aren't familiar with it. I know you and I both got a chance to play this at PAX West yes. last year, and it's been an indie game that's been on our radar. Um, I think as we, um, continue into the fall, we're playing catch up on a lot of wonderful indie games in terms of things that have come out earlier in the year that maybe we got a ch- we missed getting a chance to talk about it on the show. So yeah, this game we came are out. circling back to this one. And then I think in the coming weeks, we also have some other games that I've been playing and things that we're, we're playing catch up with. So yeah. anyway, set the stage, Claire, talk about planet Alana. This game came out, um, at a really busy time in the school year for me. So I just got to play it on um, last week for the first time, which was amazing. Cause I have been looking forward to it since we played it at PAX West last year. It was one of my favorite games that I played there just because it was so beautiful. Um, and that is definitely true for the entire game. Um, so like you said, it's a puzzle platformer. Um, but I would say that the, the, the platforming is really light. Um, and the, the puzzle solving is also kind of light. Um, they're not super intense puzzles, um, throughout the game. Um, and what the game really, I think where it really shines is in the visuals, and mm-hmm. just the um, the vibe and the aesthetic. Um, it's all hand painted um, backgrounds, and the um, it's like watercolors and just the the vividness of the colors and the beauty of the world, um, and the 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 interesting things they do with like lighting and contrast um, are it just makes it a really beautiful visual experience. Um, and the music is also like a huge part of the game, um, is music and the way that the musical like motifs fit in is really excellent. Um, it's like fully orchestral score. Um, it really is, it reminds me a lot in, of, um, like classic Studio Ghibli movies, especially yeah. like you think about like n- My Neighbor Totoro and the forest and the the like way it looked and just like the the detail in those paintings for that movie, um, and there's that in Planet of Lana with the the art style is very reminiscent of that sort of um, painting and just like the color palette, um, but also the music is definitely very 
Um, I mean, it, it sounds like a Joe Hisaishi score. There is, there's a lot of woodwinds. There's a lot of reed instruments. Um, and just like the, the vibe of the score, where it picks up, where it settles. Um, and then also just like the overall, um, like story and the sort of mystery that you uncover. It really reminded me of Castle in the Sky, um, in terms okay. of like the intersection of in nature and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are playing as Lana, who is a child um, in this civilization that seems like not super technologically advanced um, on this planet that is not Earth, but it looks like Earth. So it's been t- terraformed. Um, there's like a, a giant planet in the background. Um, so maybe you're on a moon. Um, you can see the ring, the, the eclipse. Um, and it's just, it's really beautiful how they... They, like, blend nature and science fiction. Um, the the, um, the backgrounds are beautiful. So I really can't overstate how beautiful it is yeah. and how amazing um, the the visuals are in this game. Definitely, when we, come, when we come talking about our, our game of the year, this is definitely going to be in the um, best art direction for me and best uh, music for me, for sure. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up Studio Ghibli because based on my short demo with the game, the vibe I got was definitely like it feels kind of like it, um Limbo meets Studio Ghibli in terms of visuals. Like it's a very pleasant aesthetic yeah. game um and it it is really really stunning to look at. I'm curious um just focusing on the gameplay for a moment. You yeah. mentioned that it's not so much a pu- puzzle platformer in terms of structure like that's what it is do you feel like the emphasis is more on the narrative than on like how you interact with the gameplay or how does that how does the game kind of strike that balance i just think that when i think of like a puzzle platformer or specifically like a platformer i think about um games where you are kind of like jumping from one point to another like doing like wall jumps and um kind of like executing different like um tricks and moves and whatnot to like really navigate and you need to be able to do that and usually it's like it's most often kind of like fast-paced quick think on your feet don't mess up or you'll miss it like you have to be really on top of it and in planet of lana there are those moments but a lot of it is you're literally just like running across the screen and like taking it all in um and i would say that it's probably like 40 percent platforming and 60 percent just you know moving around um, sure. Without the, like, there just are not too many obstacles in your path, and the the barrier often to figuring out how to proceed is in the form of a puzzle and not in the form of being able to execute a difficult jump or something. Um, that being said, there are some difficult jumps, and there are some moments where you have to be quick on your feet, and sure. there are some moments where you have to like act really quickly or you will die, um, and be like really precise with the controls. My my one complaint about the game is that the controls aren't incredibly precise. So there are moments where you like you do a jump and you you does the player execute it the same way three different times and three different things happen on the screen. So there isn't that it's level little, of precision. They're just not quite that precise. Okay. Um and also I have like a really really nitpicky complaint, which is that the um when you know how you like you're on a ledge and you kinda drop down, drop down on the ledge and grab onto it and then drop down some more. Sure. Jump off it. Very standard. Sure. Um it it didn't always work. Hmm. Like okay. sometimes you just go go off. 
Um, there are times when you need to just jump off and it would like make you drop down and that would make it really hard to do the, the quick events that it wants you to do, you know, you end up dying as a result of that. So that wasn't like very polished in my Got opinion. It. Okay. Um, but it worked out. Like there's a, there's a, you can get a hundred percent of the achievements on Xbox for the game for, um, like playing the game without dying. And I honestly don't know how that's possible <laughs> because like, because like you can do everything right and you can still miss a jump and die. Or you can, like, not quite grab on in time, and then the creature kills you. Like, It's interesting, too, because it doesn't really really strike me as that type of game where it's like, I'm going to complete this challenge by not dying. It's like, from my time with the like game, a, it's, it's like more about vibing thing. with the world it is, and it's like more about vibing. being engaged in where you're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that's like my, my one my one complaint is that with the gameplay, it mostly feels like a really approachable game with an approachable narrative that has something like nice to say. But some of the gameplay itself is not approachable. Got it. Um there okay. are there are a couple moments where the difficulty just spikes and it's like, what the fuck? Or like the puzzle isn't like obviously immediately clear, which I appreciate you kinda have to think through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a lot of the puzzles are also not that complicated. So it's just like, it feels like in moments a little bit like there's just like a, a spike of difficulty. Sure. That doesn't make sense. And there, there's one moment towards the end of the game where it's just like, this is unnecessarily hard. <laughs> like this is just game for game. So like, like I'm not vibing with this at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm curious. And you mentioned the difficulty curve. Um, that's one thing I was wondering about in my short demo because it felt pretty easy and I, I was curious, like, you said there are some difficulty spikes. Do you feel like it's, like, gradual throughout, or it's kind of randomized in terms of when things become more challenging? Yeah, so I've actually been replaying the game now because I've been going back and looking for, like, shrines that I missed and okay. um, trying to get some of these hidden achievements that I missed the first time around. So um, I've been paying more attention to that on my, my second time through. Sure. And it definitely, like, it starts you off... So, the demo we played at PAX West, and, and listeners, if any of you ended up playing this demo as well... I think it, it was is, publicly available during some of the Steam Next Fest events mm-hmm. as well, so... That demo build that we played is not, like, a snapshot from the game. Mm, the, there are, it Like, it started you off at what is the start of Chapter 2 in the game, Um and then, but but the most of the puzzles that were in it were either not in the game at all, or were in it in different like sequences at different times. Um, and I don't know if maybe they made some changes after Pax West because they heard that some of the puzzles were too easy, or if that was if that was just like we made this tutorial mode, kind of like sort of build so that you could see what the game was without you know having to play through the longer tutorial section or whatever. Sure. Um, but whatever the case may be, um, it's actually quite different. Um, so it starts you off and you really are just like, it, it does the thing of like, here's the basics, here's how to run, here's how to jump, whatever. Um, and it, it, at first it's, there's like no puzzles. It's just like exploring the world. And you really get the sense like that this game is more about the vibe and it's more about what it's trying to say than it is about the like gameplay, I guess. So sure. To speak. Um, and then once the invasion happens because that's you know that's the the premise of the game that lana is living in her world and um she has a sister elo who is taken during the invasion these these robots invade and destroy everything and kidnap all the people and so she goes after her sister um when the invasion happens then it starts to like get more difficult and they introduce the puzzles and stuff um 
And it was a couple puzzles in after the invasion happened where it was just like difficulty spike where it's like I I am like just dying and I don't know how to not die. Um and then and then after that puzzle, it kinda dropped down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it was like it would go like spike and now it's a little bit easier. And it's like, and now it's a little bit easier. And it's like, there were like three or four puzzles throughout the game where I was like, this is unnecessarily difficult. Did you find at any point you needed to like look something up or was it the type of puzzle no. where you're able to work through it eventually? The the thing, that's the thing is that it was mostly about the imprecision of the controls. Um, And I don't know, listeners, if this is going to be true for everybody um, because I'm really good at puzzle solving games um but for most of these puzzles i could look at it and i could be like okay this is what i want you to do um for some of the ones where the puzzle involved a creature or a robot who was trying to attack you and you had to like figure out how to get around them or in some cases like kill them um sometimes those are like i don't know what it wants me to do um or like i think i have succeeded but like it won't let me move on um so, there were just a couple that, like, took a little bit more, like, experimentation. But for the most part, they're pretty straightforward puzzles. Um, which is why the spikes, again, felt really out of place. Because it's, like, most of these puzzles are, like, approachable to the, the point of, like, young people can play this. But then some of them are, like, I would get really frustrated if I was a young person playing this. And for some of them, it's, like, I know what I need to do. But for some reason, I just cannot do that jump to get on the, like, sure. I just, like, every time I get over there, I press... The, the jump button and it's either too early or too late and I die and I start over again. It's really annoying. Um, but that was like, I just want to emphasize very small portion of the game might Kinda not be a problem for between. everybody. Okay. I do have like depth perception problems with playing 2d platform games sometimes where I'm not the best at executing <laughs> jumps and stuff. Fair um, enough. but it did feel a little bit, it did that imprecision did feel like it, it, took me out of the moment in some of those and just made me feel really frustrated. Sure. Um, But at the end of the day, I still love the game and would definitely recommend the game. Um, And I think that the the visuals and the story are really beautiful. I've said this before on the podcast. I love games where something happened and you have to figure out what it was that happened. Um, And this game is really special because there's no English writing or dialogue, or, like, subtitles. Everything is written in a language that you are not given an ability to read, and everything is said in a language that you do not understand. So what you... The only... Actually, the, there is English text. <laughs> when it tells you, like, move, it's that's written in English. That's it. Describing the controls, that's it. Um, so you learn a couple of words just from the repetition. Like, you learn stay and come and do the thing. That's basically what you learn. Um, which ends up coming back later, like, that you know what these words mean in, like, kind of a special way, um, which is cool. Um, but it tells, like, a fairly deep... I I don't want to use the word deep, but it does tell a story without using language, which I think is... Or without using the language of the audience, which I think is really special. And it's, it's voice acted, which is cool. Um... I think that's cool. Um, so I was going to ask <laughs> to kind of leading into um, the narrative. You, you, yeah. you gave us the initial setup, but I was curious kind of what you think of the narrative throughout the game. And then I was going to ask how it's told to you. So there are yeah, so, like vo- voice lines and so that the cut vo- scenes or is it more like as there are gameplay cut is scenes. happening? Um, there are cut scenes. 
Um, and I, I think that the way the story is told is really interesting because it is done without language. So it's a lot of like environmental, like you are happening upon drawings um, but it's also musical, which is so cool. Okay. Um, that, uh, so I don't want to get too full in the spoilers, but about a third of the way through the game, as you're like running and you're chasing after the robots who have stolen Elo, the sister, um, and, uh, and you, okay, you also, early on, you find a little creature called Mui, who is so Love cute, that. such a cute little guy, um, bestest boy. So you have Mui and you're running around, you're solving puzzles with Mui, which is another layer that's interesting to solving the puzzles of like you have to do something and then he has to do something you have to tell him what to do and um anyway so as you're going through about a third of the way through the game you get to like this cave system and you start to see like cave drawings and like evidence of uh like past civilization um and at that point you're introduced to you're introduced like really solidly to this musical theme so th the game opens and the orchestral, like, musical little piano theme plays. Doo, 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 doo. Um, and you just think, oh, that's game music. Don't notice it. Um, later on, during the robot invasion, as you're trying to escape these robots, they keep, they keep going, making these musical tones. Do, 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 do. They make this sound. Um, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. They all, but, but, you know, whatever. Robots make sounds all the time, whatever. And then you get to this, like, the ruins of a lost civilization, and there's, this puzzle that you have to solve um, that is, like, one of the more in-depth puzzles um, in terms of, like, where you what you have to do to solve it, but not in terms of the, the difficulty of the gameplay. Um, there's no, like, special jumps or anything. Um, and the result of the puzzle is you hear these musical tones, the same ones that the robots are making, and you're like, oh, shit, this is actually significant. Like, this is this is interesting. And then you, it kind of goes from there of, like, you find out where Lana's people came from um, through exclusively, like, cave drawings and finding ruins and pieces of technology and stuff. Um, you get more powers as you go, which is cool. Um, you, like, find things that help you, like, eventually be able to control certain aspects of the environment that you weren't able to control before and then eventually you find out exactly what is causing the invasion um and it's a really interesting twist so i think that is cool um and you find out like just the history of why all this is happening um and, and i think it is so interesting that it's told exclusively through what you find in the environment and through the music because sure. it's not super common. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like awesome. a narrative device. Um, and the music nerd in me loved it. And there's like one point where you have to like kind of decipher what's kind of like sheet music and there actually is sheet music in there and it's part of a puzzle. So the music nerd in me loved that too. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I meant to ask this at the top, but how long did it take you to complete the game? It took me five and a half hours to okay, complete the game. So nice, and that was with a sweet. fair bit of struggle on some of these puzzles. Okay. But also, like I said, you I didn't can get every figure out puzzles pretty quickly. So sure. it, I, I've heard that it takes between like five and eight hours to complete the game. Okay. Not, and yeah, I didn't get all the shrines, so I'm going back. Sure, sure. Maybe if you're like really, really thorough and you're and you're getting all of these shrines the first time around, that'll take you a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, uh, there there's a lot. I'm I'm finding things that I didn't even like know to look for or know sure. how to look for them until I finished playing the game. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to just keep going and then go back and get the shrines later because they are cool, but not necessary to understand and enjoy the entire game. Like if you don't, I ended up with one shrine found when I finished the game, 
and I still loved it and got like everything that they were trying to say and the rest was just kind of extra so sure that's awesome yeah I'm super excited to play the full game it's it's been on my radar too for a while to check out and I think with game pass it's a great option for folks to jump in and play it and honestly hearing that you beat it in five and a half hours to me is like oh thank god like that just sounds lovely between all these giant games i'm trying to fit in with no time just a nice short and sweet palate cleanser that looks totally worth playing so yeah it definitely is it's great um i think that it is a really special experience um it really makes you care about the characters yeah. Like I, I did cry twice while playing the game oh, wow. towards okay, the end. So like it, has it gets kind of that really impactful. In the narrative. That's awesome. Um there's like an original song that's written. Um there if you recall in um Life is Strange, True Colors, those moments where you just be like sitting and the music would play and it would just kind of like have you look around and you could stay there as long as you wanted. Um, and just vibe. There were a couple moments in, in Planet of Lana 2 where you were just running and the music kicked in. Or maybe you weren't even doing anything and you were, like, traveling, but you didn't have to, as the player, use any controls or anything to make it happen. And you're just, like, watching. And yeah. it's just, it's it's beautiful. Those are some of my favorite moments in the game, so that's cool to hear. Yeah, no, there are some, like, truly breathtaking moments. I was taking screenshots over and over again. I was just like, nice. this is gorgeous. Awesome. Yeah, so it was, and, like, just, like, the the... The detail and the care that went into painting the world is, like, really special. Amazing. I have a couple more questions I want to get to. We've touched on a little bit of this throughout your discussion, but I'm curious who specifically you'd recommend the game to in terms of, like, genre fans or different age groups, kind of yeah. where you land officially on that. I think this that one. this game is, like, really approachable for all age groups um, to the point of if you, like, have a kid who likes playing like if your if your kid can play 2D Mario, your kid can play Planet of Lana. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's really it's less about like age. Um, it's more about like if you want a game that's going to really really challenge your ability to do like some intense platforming, or if you like to do um, games where there is combat, there's like no combat in this game. You can solve puzzles that result in creatures dying. That's like the extent. Um, actually, going back to the age thing, it does get a little bit dark at the end thematically in terms of the narrative yeah. and stuff yeah okay. it's it a little bit dark. It's worth noting um but i mean yeah i i would just say i would say probably pg not okay. g-rated that's okay. what i would say fair enough um but yeah if you if you like like really intense um platforming or if you like combat like this is not the game for you but if you like a game where it's more about the experience and it's more about um like just sitting in the world um and if you like puzzle games or like platformers in general but you're not craving the challenge you're craving the world and the experience then this is the game for you that's awesome yeah very cool i think it's it's like it's it's like ori without combat and if ori was like 50 percent easier to play okay all right i like that pitch um do you think this game will end up on your top 10 when we get to the game of the year discussion it is now okay yeah cool yeah, and it, it. I think it'll stay there based on the amount of time I have left to play games this year. So. Sure. No, that's very fair. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much, and I'm yeah. excited to check it out myself. Shall we jump into questions with Claire? Let's do it. This week's question, what is your favorite 2D game of all time, excluding Mario? Okay, that's a good stipulation. Do you have an immediate answer? I I do. I have. Yeah, I have a couple. I mean, I really love Planet of Lana. Um, despite awesome some of the negative things I said about it. So I would, I would include it at least right now. Um, I uh, would also definitely throw out Ori. Both 
Willow the Wisp yeah. and, and Blind and Forest. Forest. Yeah, they're so, they're both so good. They're beautiful. There's such a great story. The characters are awesome. The gameplay the is, gameplay really, is really, really, great. really good. Talk about precision. Yes. You know, like that's a platformer that's like yeah, and plays you know, the, very well. The Metroidvania elements of yeah are always really interesting. Well, and the interesting thing is we have 2D, not 2D platformer, not 2D Metroid. So it's 2D in general. Because, like, for example, I've been playing a ton of um, Dead Cells Mm -hmm. Return to Castlevania recently, which came out this year. And it has been a blast going back to that game. It's specifically a roguelite, but there is a lot of really good platforming, especially in the Castlevania DLC there's wonderful music, new weapons, new mm-hmm. areas, new creatures to fight. Aesthetically, it's just super, super cool. That's one for me that I think, in terms of this year, I'll be t- yeah. talking about during Game of the Year conversation. I think yeah, like, in terms of all time, I'd like to shout out the Rayman games, mm-hmm. um, the 2D games from Michelle and Cell during the UB Art era. Um, I believe Origins came out in 2011, and Legends came out, I want to say 2013? But then it eventually came to mod- it, other consoles yeah. later. It f- first came to the Wii U, but then it eventually came to everything. Um, but those games are incredible. Yeah. Didn't someone Up involved... to four-player co-op. Um, Didn't someone involved with those games recently pass away? Yeah, I believe one of the game directors yeah, unfortunately sad. passed away. So rest in peace there, because that was devastating to hear. Yeah. Super talented studio, and some of my favorite games of all time. Legends, I think, is definitely in my top 10 favorite platformers um but delightful games wonderful colors great humor wonderful music and they have some cool license track levels there's an amazing level where they use the song black black betty by ram jam Mm -hmm. and it's such a jam and it's such a cool level where you're precision platforming and time to the music and you're running around and it like i said up to four player co-op so if you have never played them Highly, highly recommend. They're available That's on everything awesome. now. Super cheap, yeah. I imagine, at this day and age. But yeah, highly, highly recommend. Any other ones you want to shout out? Would you include Crash Bandicoot because of the like a number of 2D levels? They're not like all I've 2D, put that but... one in the 3D camp, even though there's 2D segments, because I think predominantly I would call it a 3D platformer, especially in terms of the newer yeah, the entries. Newer, yeah, for sure. Um, I'd also throw out all the Metroid games in terms of wonderful 2D games. Um, Dredge a couple years ago, or not Dredge, Dread, Dread was was very good. Um, but obviously Super Metroid, one of my favorite games of all time, incredible 2D game. I feel like there's other ones that I should shout out. I'm a big Sonic guy, generally speaking. Um, and I think, you know, Sonic Mania in recent years was really good, but there's a lot of fun Sonic games throughout the years i really enjoyed sonic rush on the ds mm-hmm. as a kid that was a big one for me yeah definitely. um donkey kong I feel like you can't not mention donkey kong country in this conversation oh you know what we haven't said yet that hmm. definitely needs to be said is celeste celeste oh my god wonderful wonderful game um one of my favorites as well i think i just really like 2d games and i really like 2d platformers yeah like it's one of my favorite genres i would argue that's awesome um not if so we did me. include mario <laughs> I would shout out Super Mario World. Yes. I would shout out Yoshi's Island. Island. I would shout out... I really like New Super Mario Bros. on the DS. I thought that was a, a really, really fun one yeah. and a really great handheld game at the time. Um, 
haven't played New Super Mario Bros. U. That's been one that's mm. been on my radar for a while. I should probably play it. Um, the new one coming out later this year, Wonders, looks so wacky and weird and like this yeah. weird mushroom psychedelic trip that I can't wait for. So yeah. 2D games, really rad. 2D games are great. I am not good at them. <laughs> Something about I the, wouldn't say I'm like amazing at them. I just not... enjoy the heck out of them. Yeah. Um, it'd be fun to put together like a definitive list of our favorite 2d games maybe we could do that as a special that episode feels sometime. like a, a full episode yeah. rather than like something we do here but right i feel here, like right we've now. we've rattled off a, a oh yeah several 100%. great ones no there's some so. really good ones in there um listeners let us know what your favorite yeah. 2d game of all time is in the comments and we can keep the conversation going um with that i want to kick it over to our special exciting announcement which we have a reveal trailer for so i'm gonna kick it over to Ooh. that here's the reveal trailer um, and then we'll come back and close out the show. But here's our reveal trailer. Take it away. Do you feel like you're the only person in your circle who wants to go deep about video games regularly? We were like that too. Until now. Welcome to Crossplay Conversations, the brand new bi-weekly topical video game podcast from Luke Lewis, Joseph Hooper, and Jacob McCord. With many years of breaking it down separately on shows like the Left Behind Game Club, Player Player Podcast, and Lukewarm Games, the gang is finally coming together to publish their gaming group chat in audio form every other week. Expect roundtable reviews of the latest games, profiles of upcoming indies, and insightful conversations about essential topics in the video game industry. All with a mostly positive, insightful, and fun style. Crossplay Conversations debuts on August 1st with brand new episodes hitting every other Tuesday. Help us out by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice to get the first episodes delivered straight to your feed. And follow us on Twitter at Crossplay Convos for updates about the show. Cheers, Cheers and, and happy, happy gaming. gaming. The cat is out of the bag. The Ooh. podcast has been announced. Um, <laughs> it's true. Woo-hoo. Friends of the show, Jacob McCourt and Joseph Hooper and I are teaming up for a long-discussed podcast, Crossplay Conversations, a video game podcast coming every other week on Tuesdays. So that's what I was alluding to at the top of the show. Uh, you'll have a nice supplement of content. Yeah. You'll still get once every, a week. Leave every Lewis. week you'll have me <laughs> talking about video games in some capacity. So we're very excited about the show. We've been planning it for, I think I first pitched Jacob on it about two years ago, and then about a year ago we we brought the idea to Joseph and so we've been planning and diligently thinking about topic ideas. We have a lot of fun guests, um, being discussed in the, in the wings. So we're incredibly excited and I, I, I love both of those guys and they've been a blast to get to know yeah. as friends these last few years. And so I'm really thrilled that we have a, a standing appointment to, to hang out together and chat about video games. And, Absolutely. um, I, I think we have really good rapport too in the times they've been on the show and so I, I think our, our conversations will be really fun. So on August 1st, you can check out our first two episodes, which Ooh, will be live. Yeah. So I, I won't tease what the topics are yet. I'll talk about it once they're live, but you can find Crossplay Conversations on all your podcast platforms. But before we go, let's close out this podcast that yeah. you're currently <laughs> listening to. Claire, thank you so much for joining as always and chatting it up. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm excited I didn't mention to you're obviously a planned guest at some point on crossplay conversations. Yeah. And I think we haven't solidified things for game of the year conversations quite yet, but that was something that 
I think started on lukewarm games and inspired crossplay conversations, but I think we will, the four of us, will, I will be doing something involved. I will definitely be involved in game of the involved. year. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta yeah, be there to rip for Absolutely. Plan so, um, just getting that, that ahead of that one, because I know that's a, a fun podcast that the four of us always look forward to. So that will still be happening and more announcements to come on future shows mm-hmm. and whatnot. All right. So with that, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Some quick housekeeping items for you. Please subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, all of the podcast services. I had to cut out Stitcher because apparently it's shutting down. So that's kind of sad. But there's a lot of other ones. Pocket Cast, that's a fun one. Listen there. Leave (laughs) us a review. If you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lukewarmgames for exclusive podcasts and more. You can go ahead and follow at lukewarmgames on Twitter to get the latest updates on our show. And with that, have a fantastic week. Cheers and happy gaming.